Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go, here we go, here we go. We welcome you to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Great to have you with us this week. We thank, as always, Dave Arbrewster, our producer-engineer. We thank the folks at the Believe Network for believing in this program and keeping us rolling. And we thank Mike Reed, legendary songwriter, for his contribution of coming up with the music for this program. We are uh, continuing to bounce around Major League Baseball. Look, I I know there's a part of you or a segment of you that are saying, well, wait a minute now, it's the NFL draft and it's all the NFL draft. That's why we're not doing the NFL draft. Because my guess is by now, by the time you're hearing this show, you have had your fill with the NFL draft. And you know what? That That is not knocking the NFL draft or those that cover it or those that follow it in any form or fashion because it's unbelievable coverage. I mean, to watch in front of your very eyes, uh, as, as we were watching, my son and I were watching uh, round one the other night, to see these young people and their dreams come true right on television is 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 fascinating. Um, you, you see some of the disappointment. There were a couple of players that, that thought they'd be drafted early. They, their name, they kept waiting and waiting and waiting. We've all seen that since they started televising this thing. Uh, and whatever market you live in, uh, you're being flooded with draft coverage of your particular team. And the radio stations and TV stations and those markets just do, do an incredible job. And that's what the NFL is. The NFL is king of the jungle. But I figure you've had enough by now. So we're going to continue bouncing around baseball. We were in the National League Central a little bit. But we had a hard time running down my main man, Brian Anderson, broadcaster of the Brewers, because he's in the middle of the NBA playoffs right now. So we figured we'd just jump out of the box a little bit. And today, one of my all-time favorite guys, known him since I was a kid, Mike Kruko, outstanding major league pitcher for nearly 15 years in the big leagues. Uh, But he's become even more popular as a broadcaster. He's been their everyday guy on TV and radio going back to 1994, uh, him and his partner, Dwayne Kuyper, Kruk and, and, and Kipe, arguably is the single most popular broadcast team in Major League Baseball for any local team uh, today. And we're going to talk to him uh, about the Giants, the incredible year they had last year. They won 107 games. We'll talk about their team this year. I mean, can they stack up again with the Dodgers and some might even say the Padres? And we're going to talk to him about being diagnosed with IBM. It's a disease which, which has uh, serious effects uh, primarily in the quad muscles, up in your thighs, so it prevents you eventually from being able to walk. And that's where he, by and large, is now. Um, and the lessons he's learned since being diagnosed with that disease. So coming up next, Mike Kruko, You're dialed in with Tom Brennan. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YES-CHNK. 
Mike Kruko is a born and raised Californian, the pride of San Gabriel High School and the Cal Poly Mustangs. Mike was an eighth-round draft pick in 1972. He pitched in the major leagues for nearly 15 years, won 124 games with three different teams. He was a 20-game winner, a National League All-Star, and he did something, and I'm not exaggerating, that we may never see again, ever again. He was the winning pitcher in a nine-inning complete game in the 1987 National League Championship Series, a victory over the Cardinals. He allowed two runs and gave up nine hits and finished the game. He's been an extremely popular broadcaster for the San Francisco Giants going all the way back to 1994. And uh, it's a pleasure to be joined by Mike Kruko, calls the Giants games right now. How many pitches did you have, Mike, in that National League Championship Series game? Do you remember? No, I don't. I don't. I, but you start talking about all my uh, accolades and uh, accomplishments on the mound. My arm starts hurting again. No, I just want you to know that. I gotta, excuse me, while I go. I have to get an ice bag. No, but I mean seriously. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I mean, we saw just a game a couple of years ago in the World Series where this guy's pitching great, and he's taken out of the game. And the Dodgers, thank God for that, each and every day, he's taken out of the game in the sixth inning, and this guy's dealing. And, and and to see complete games, you know, that short time I was with the Diamondbacks and Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling and those guys, they were doing the stuff that you were doing. But I'm not sure we'll ever see that again in a playoff game. No, you won't, unfortunately. And, I mean, it's the one position on the field that's been so devalued. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say we didn't see it coming because when they started introducing uh, and publicizing pitch count, um, it really started to determine the um, – the way that games were managed and uh, the strategies that they employed. And now, I mean, it used to be if you, if you went five innings, if you were a five-and-fly five guy, five guy yep. and uh, it was a bad reputation to have. Um, you know, when you got the ball, you wanted to give your bullpen a day off. I mean, that was the goal. And, uh, you know, complete games were – you saw them all the time. I mean, I had, most I ever had in the season in 1986 was 10, 10 complete games. Well, that same year, Fernando Valenzuela had 18 in the same year. <laughs> so, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, and, I, and, and guys want to do it. Guys want complete games. They're just not being allowed to do it. They put a 100-pitch cap on them, and sometimes not even that. But they're absolutely thrilled to get four or even five good innings out of a starter now. But they also have 14-man bullpens. You know, it's just the way the game has changed. But, you know, that game against uh, the Cardinals in 1987, um, Danny Cox was the pitcher for the Cardinals. And he had a complete game, too. So, I mean, we'll never see that again where two guys had a complete game. No, no. I don't think we're going to see a guy get a complete game. But nonetheless, let's talk about the Giants. 2021 was just an unbelievable season. Set a franchise record, 107 wins. Uh, the unfortunate outcome was playing a team. You edged out for the division championship that won 106 games in the wild card round. That went five games that series. Did, did you even see a hint? Forget 107 wins. Did you even see a hint of a playoff team when last season began for the Giants? Because not many people did if you did. No, no, I did not. And uh, I wish I could sit here and lie to you and say, oh, God, I thought they were going to win 100-plus. But um, I thought they were a 500 club. I thought that uh, they were getting a little undersold uh, in spring training. Um, there was a lot of transition in the rotation last year that I didn't really know about. I mean, I didn't know what – 
Anthony DiScafani could do. Uh, you know, Kevin Gosman was just starting to really starting to shine. Um, Logan Webb, we, you know, he was just a, a young kid. We didn't really have any idea what to expect with him. Alex Wood, you know, we didn't know. I mean, so there was a lot of question mark around this club. Um, I thought they could play 500 and get to the trade deadline, maybe make a move and, and, you know, have a shot at 90 games and a shot to go to the playoffs. What they wound up doing was they played 600 ball every month of the season. They won 107 games, first time in 140 years of Giants history that mm-hmm. uh, Giants team won 107. It was the first time that in the Dodger history they ever won 106 games. And it turned out to be just the most remarkable race. And uh, you know, one that we all, all of our broadcast team, were just proud to be able to tell the story of. Because what we saw last year, Tom, was such respect for the rivalry between the Dodgers and the Giants. It was just a beautiful thing to watch. Did I think that was going to happen? Absolutely not. The other thing that, that that struck me last year, the team scores 804 runs offensively. First time since a, a guy named Barry Bonds was in the lineup going all the way back to 2004. Uh, that's always been considered a, a big-time pitcher's park. I know you play half the games away from that ballpark. But that in and of itself is another thing, along with 107 wins, that I find staggering. 800 runs is a hell of a lot of runs. Well, it is, and I, I, can't, I wish I could have said that was a possibility. You know, one thing that happened that didn't get a lot of publicity, during the 2020 uh, year when it was the abbreviated 60-game schedule, the, uh, because of, the, of, uh, of COVID, um, if you know the, the ballpark here in San Francisco on the right side of the field, right field has always been a dead field. And a big reason for that is when they built the ballpark, they allowed – a walk-up crowd to be able to go under the archways in right field and watch the game for free. It was one of the things that Peter McGowan had envisioned and uh, he was adamant about. Um, so there was actually a, 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 a way that the wind could come through the right side of the field. And with this ballpark, the way that it's designed, the, uh, the winds wrap around the ballpark, but then the winds on the right side of the field would come back into the ballpark through the archway and it would, it would work its way against any balls that were hit to right field. Well, during the pandemic, they go and they close that whole area up with a tarp because they didn't want people congregating and, uh, and exposing themselves to COVID. So they took all of the possibility of congregating uh, out of the equation. And in doing so, they sewed up that side of the field where wind could no longer pass. Wow. Well, when they did that, it completely changed the way the ballpark played to the right side of the field ball started to carry we started to see home runs when we had never ever seen home runs to right field so that a live ball and just really you know talented hitters kind of took advantage of it last year it was a perfect storm and they wound up scoring a lot of runs hitting a lot of home runs now you're around it every day you know from the outside looking in uh, it seems like the current front office the baseball people is all in on the analytics we touched on that a minute ago Uh, Last year, the team had the third highest walk rate in all of baseball. You mentioned the home runs. Only Toronto hit more home runs last year than the San Francisco Giants. Um, Your thoughts uh, on the whole analytics approach? Because, I mean, you're an old-school guy by nature who certainly believes and, 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 and feels strongly about some of those things. But as time has gone by, have you found yourself adapting to more of that kind of thing? Oh, completely. I mean, it, it, the game what we're watching now is completely different than what we played in, in the 70s and the 80s. Completely different. 
you know, old school and, uh, and unwritten rules, and they're gone. That is history. I mean, you're watching a game now that um, has, uh, you know, they, they don't play small ball, they don't bunt, they don't hit and run. The last time, literally, the last time the Giants pitched out in the game was 2019. Um, you know, the defenses stack up, uh, and, and you see extreme defensive sets on a nightly basis. But the one thing that has really been a huge part of the success of this organization, and it goes all the way down to, to rookie league, every player that comes through this organization is being taught to take the same at bat, to be able to define a strike zone. And to commit to a speed or a location or a movement, and that is that that is the most essential thing that they do at the big league level. It's not uncommon for us to see a guy go up two men on down a run and take a called strike three, come back to the dugout and have the hitting instructor saying that's a good at bat, and what they're saying is you stay disciplined to what you were looking for. This is something that is absolutely the core of their philosophy. Every hitter you go up, you have data going into that at bat. You're looking for 75% probability in a certain count against a certain player in a certain situation. And if you have, if you have that information, you'll sit on the inside corner. You'll look for a fastball. You'll look, you'll look, you know, up, you'll look down, but you will, you will hone your concentration to that pitch and that movement and that speed. And you don't see these guys sit there, look fastball, and then wave through a nickel slider. That just never happens. And I think the discipline that they have, and it, it gives a consistency of the type of at bat that goes through the whole at bat or through the whole lineup, and every guy on the bench. That's what really jumped off the page last year, and I think was was essential to their success. Every guy coming up in that uniform on that given day was given the same at bat. You know, from a fan's perspective, you look at you look at the lineup. You say, "Well, you know what? I, I like I like watching this guy hit. I don't want to watch that guy hit." It's just that's what fans do. But you could say that about this Giants team last year. You looked forward to every at bat because you were getting that same type of consistency, and that's what allowed them to win 107 games. Gabe Kapler was named the manager in Philadelphia. It spent a long time working in the Dodgers' front office. I mean, you talk about a guy all in on analytics. He is the guy. He took a ton of heat in Philadelphia about it. The very first game of the season that he managed in his career with Philadelphia, he's getting beat up on and this and that and everything else. Were you surprised the Giants named him as a manager? No, not at all. Uh, Given his history um, in association with the Dodgers, uh, Farhan Zadi, who is our president, came from the Dodger organization by way of the of the of the A's organization, and he totally believes in in data, uh, in uh, in uh, analytics. He had Gabe Kapler as a minor league director. He knew Gabe Kapler's qualities. He knew his ability to communicate. And uh, so when he had the opportunity, when Bruce Bochy retired, that was the first that was the first guy he called. And uh, it was no surprise to us at all that, uh, that he became the Giants manager. And, um, and, you know, if you know Gabe, I mean, he is a guy that, that does not shy away from the microphone. Yep. And he'll take on every, every hardcore topic there is. I mean, he is, he's fearless and he's very articulate. But his ability to communicate in the clubhouse really has been what has been such a strong thing. He hired 13 coaches. One was an incumbent, Ron Wotus. 12 new coaches, and not a lot of them had big league experience. One of them was a woman, Alyssa Nacken. 
And what we have seen him do is allow his coaches to coach. The communication that he has amongst his coaching staff in that clubhouse, into the trainer's room, it's, it's really what, what uh, has been most remarkable, remarkable about Gabe Kapler. And, uh, and he won that. He was deserving of the award last year to be the manager of the year. He did a tremendous job. Oh, no question. No question. The, the biggest offseason news was unquestionably Buster Posey retires. Uh, one, were you surprised he retired? Number two, is he one of the all-time great San Francisco Giants? Oh, he's uh, yeah, he absolutely is. I mean, Buster Posey was a uh, one-of-a-kind player. You know, he was an old soul when he first came up. Uh, I mean, he came up in 2009, but he came up to stay in 2010. And uh, right away, he had respect of the uh, of not only the pitchers that he caught, but all of the veterans in that clubhouse. I mean, he had a voice even as a rookie. Um, he's just, uh, those guys don't come around very often. Was I surprised that he retired? Well, I was in a way because he had a, really a good year last year, but in a way I wasn't in 2020, uh, he and his wife, Kristen, who have twins that are now 10 years old, they adopted, uh, twins, uh, that were seven months. Uh, they were born in seven months. They were preemies. Um, one little, uh, both twins, uh, and one girl, uh, she may never walk. I mean, she has uh, had had some uh, difficulties at birth, and that she'll deal with the rest of life. And Buster and Kristen, uh, you know, when they adopted them, they knew all of this, and and it received them into their family with unconditional love. Which, if you know the Posies, I mean, it's it, that's not a surprise at all. But Buster, because the pandemic, felt that he did not want to expose his family, especially his brand new baby girls to COVID and he opted not to play that year. And I think once he went home and he fell in in, in line with, with, uh, you know, being a, an everyday dad and not having to deal with road trips, I think it planted the seed. And I, and I think that uh, he realized that there was, you know, a beautiful life at home raising these, these children. And, uh, so I think that had everything to do with his overall decision. And because of that, I was not surprised that he did retire. Is Joey Bart ready? Well, he's ready at the, behind the plate, and I say that because when we first saw him get called up in 2020, Bart, who had been a first-round pick, and uh, you know he had, you know, a real high draft pick, uh, we came up with a lot of uh, expectation. When we first saw him in 2020, I mean, he behind the plate, he was you know, completely overmatched. Uh, they were t- teaching him the, the one knee down snatch and grab technique which he was not comfortable with and in it got to the point was uncomfortable i mean the pitchers didn't want to throw to him so because of that his bat really was i mean you you were so overshadowed by his defensive inabilities that you just you know figured well you know i mean that's going to carry over into his at bats and then he kind of disappeared last year and was down triple a we saw him resurface this year in spring training and he's a good catcher now he has mastered that technique of the one knee down, snatch and grab. Uh, he has won the hearts of every pitcher. Um, so I think, you know, he's done something that I didn't even know if he could do. He's become a very good big league catcher. He has become a very confident big league catcher. Um, offensively, I don't know. Right now, he's got a lot of swing and miss. He's had 38 bats, and he struck out 23 times. That's a lot of swing and miss. The one thing is, when he hits the ball, he hits 115 miles an hour. He kills it. Uh, so, you know, it does whet your appetite, but he needs to make more contact. The one thing he has not done, he has not, he has not chased. For the most part, he's still swinging at pretty good pitches to hit. So 
Can he be a good league, big league player? Yeah, but it's going to take some time with the plate. But what we've seen him do coming from where he was in 2020 as a catcher to where he is now, which has been remarkable, I think that he can make that transition. Although now he is not a good hitter. I got to tell you, um, Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford. I mean, I, I remember like it was yesterday, and Lord knows it was not yesterday. It was a long time ago. Those guys roughly around the same time, roughly, come up to the big leagues. Uh, I, I thought, especially uh, Crawford, you know, I, I thought he was going to be a good player. I thought both would be good players. Never in a million years would I have said in 2022, we're still talking about those guys being the heart and soul in many ways of the San Francisco Giants team. Are you surprised by the careers both of those guys have had? No, not at all. Really? I mean, uh, okay. you know, both those guys, uh, you know, the really, really gifted defensive players. Um, and I think when Brandon Belt got to the big leagues, he was a little bit ahead of Crawford with the bat. Um, but both guys have really developed into, you know, all-around players. I mean, good offensive players, great defensive yeah, players. Yeah. More than that. They bring calm. They bring calm every day, which is their makeup. They locker next to each other. Um, they just don't. I mean, they, they, I think one of the, the really keys of being a consistent big league player, and they both had careers now. They, you know, they're in their eleventh year. Yeah. To be able to play that long, you have to be able to deal with the emotion of the game. You can't get too down when you're going bad. You can't get too high when you're going good. And that's what they are. And I think you know, you go back and look at the, the championships that these guys were part of. You know, you walk in the Giants clubhouse during the playoffs, that was their ace in the hole. They were calm. Between Posey and Crawford and, and Belt and Bumgarner, I mean, these guys were just calm. And it gave them the edge, especially in the, you know, in, in the big games, the seventh games, uh, you know, the, the, the winner go home games. You know, it's just uh, so I, everything that they've accomplished has not really been that much of a surprise. And it really is the backbone of this team today. Uh, injuries have, have certainly uh, hurt the team a little bit this year, although, you know, as we're taping this today, the Giants have won 13 of their first 19 games. Um, you know, you start in the rotation where uh, Di Sclafani's hurt, so too is uh, Alex Cobb. Um, what have you seen with the rest of the rotation so far? You know, you, you bring Rodone over, who has been really, really good. You talked about Webb earlier. Alex Wood has thrown the ball well this year. Uh, I would imagine the team in the rotation has to feel like if people come back, that's one of the strong suits of the team. Is that fair? Oh, no question. I mean, that was the strength of this club coming into the into the season. Uh, Logan Webb has developed into uh, one of the best pitchers in the National League. I mean, he's an ace. Uh, Rodon, when we got him, we had no idea what we were getting, and he's one of the more dominant stuff pitchers in the game today. A power arm, a two-pitch power arm from the left side. Um, we were, I mean, Alex Cobb is a guy that, you know, he, he's a, he, he puts the ball on the ground and he can strike people out. Sinker ballers who strike people out, they're kind of rare. And he's got a, a minimal groin injury. He's probably going to get activated uh, here in the next three or four days. Um, Anthony Scafani had a, an ankle problem, uh, and he was starting to uh, pitch around the pain in his ankle, and it was starting to uh, affect his pitches and, uh, and his mechanics. So, you know, you see him throw to a target that sets up on the inside corner to a left-hander, and he misses on the other side of the plate, something's wrong. Because his strength uh, as a pitcher is his command. Yep. So they're going to calm the ankle down, but that doesn't look to be anything long-range. So I think you got two guys out of the rotation right now, but uh, you know they're going to get back quickly. So I, 
I still think that's as we go forward, it's going to be the strength of this club. How did you feel? Uh, they're going to get uh, Lamont Wade back. They're going to get uh, Longoria back. So I mean, they got good things happening here, uh, coming out of the training room here in the next three weeks. How did you feel about the uh, bullpen coming into the year? I know we're only three weeks in, but their numbers are sick. Uh, I mean, just absolutely sick. Well, we have to go back to last year because it's pretty much the same bunch. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I thought that was going to be a, a real big question mark surrounding this club, but it got ironed out three weeks into the season, and they wound up being the best bullpen in the, in the, in the league. And uh, so they brought that confidence and that same core back together, and they were just on fire. I mean, already we've had three uh, bullpen games, and uh, the bullpen has just been amazing. One of the big additions has been uh, Jacob Junis, uh, the right-handed uh, slider guy uh, from uh, Kansas City, um, We've had two bullpen games, and both times he's come out of the pen through a five shutout innings. In essence, it didn't feel like a bullpen game because of that. Yeah. But, you know, you, every bullpen usually has a dark side, and it's, it has your strong side. But right now, you can't – they don't have a dark side. Everybody coming out of that bullpen right now is coming out with confidence. And that, too, has become a big straight. They're winning games because of their arms and their defense because they're not hitting. They're 13-6 and six because of, the, of, of how they catch the ball and how they throw the ball. Um. Is this a three-horse race? I mean, you, know, you, you never want to count a team out. I know Colorado's played relatively well here, but, but look, at the end of the day, it's you, you're not saying this, I'm saying this. It's Colorado. And I love Buddy Black, but it's Colorado. Uh, Arizona does not have the talent to stack up. I think most people, you know, kind of like going into last year, felt like it was a two-horse race with the Dodgers and the Padres, and then here come the Giants and win 107. A lot of people don't believe the Giants can do it again. But it's a very, very good start. Do you see this being a three-horse race again with maybe the Dodgers, you know, if for no other reason on paper, a slight favorite? You know, Bob Melvin has improved that clubhouse with the Padres so that the Dodgers are stacked. Uh, the Giants are confident. It, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting uh, National League West. But I do believe at this point, if you, did, if you said it wasn't a three-team race, I think that you were uh, just trying to be politically correct. I want to ask you just in the broad scheme of things, Krook, um, all the changes that have happened, and, and I try to ask everybody who's been involved in baseball for a long time, and Lord knows you've been around the game forever, going back to your playing days and coming out of Cal Poly and you know all that kind of thing. I, I'm curious the state of the game today. Uh, it went through an extended lockout, um, have not had really a, a – well, have not had, period, a full season – where fans can be there, where there's engagement with fans, going back to the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, there seems to be a lot of animosity, uh, even now, uh, with owners and players and, and, and the commissioner's office and all this kind of thing. How do you feel about the state of the game right now, in general? Uh, I think it's, I think it's in, in, a, in a very healthy place right now. I think that uh, you know going into last off season with the anticipation of uh, a, a negotiation and an agreement, uh, it was going to be it was going to be a rough one, given the previous two uh, contract negotiations between the players and the owners. But they got it worked out. Um, you know, you're in transition. What we watched and rooted for 30 years ago is completely different on the field than what we see with this ball club with, with these ball teams today. It's exciting. It's baseball. It's still going to be a guy out there who throws the crap out of the ball, trying to throw it past the guy that hits the crap out of the ball. That's the strength of our game. That's the backbone of our game. And that has never changed, not in 150 years. 
And uh, and I, I think the state of the game as we go forward is exciting. I think what what uh, what the game is doing to market itself now um, is it's getting more people interested. Um, it's you know it, 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 and for all us old dogs that played it in the seventies and the eighties, it doesn't resemble the game that we play. We're still in love with the game of baseball yep. today, and I think as we go forward, it's it's going to just keep shining brighter. I want to ask you about you personally. You were diagnosed a number of years ago with uh, IBM. It's a disease which, which mainly, not exclusively, but it affects uh, the quadriceps, uh, the hands, uh, other parts of the body. H- how are you doing through all of this? Well, good. I mean, I, I still get to go to the big leagues every day. <laughs> you know, it's, I, need, I need this game now more than ever. And, uh, you know, this is what, my 50, 51st year or something? I don't know. But I've been blessed to be able to, to, to call this – game my home for that long amount of time i don't have to walk around i mean i can't walk around i mean i I, and i walk everywhere with a cane i don't have a long leash uh you know i forever my whole life i've played instruments uh, and now i can play them for three or four minutes my hand gets tired and i have to put it down you know i can still play um i mean the thing about life that i've found is that if if you lose the ability to do something, and it happens to all athletes, you lose your ability. You lose your identity. When your career comes to an end, you have to find a new way to find life. You have to find a new, a new road that, that, that has gold and few bricks on it. I mean, you just have to do it. And I think that that's something that I've had to continue to do because of this disease. You know, I can no longer play the guitar. Well, I can play a drum. You know, I can no longer go for a walk. Well, you know what? I can get in a, a cart and I can, I can, I can still drive my cart alongside my wife as she takes her walk and I, I can still see things through her eyes. I've got grandchildren. I can't pitch about anything. I'm still the luckiest guy on the planet, Tom. And it's just a little different set of rules I wake up with every morning, but man, things are good. You know, I, I only bring that up because I had a very dear friend of mine who lives in my neighborhood. He was this uh, legendary lacrosse player at the University of North Carolina, arguably the greatest player in the history of North Carolina. Um, he coached his kids in the, in the community where we live in lacrosse, and, and, and then he got diagnosed with ALS. And I watched this guy. You know, he lives like three blocks from me. You know, I watch him go from – you know, he, he's still able to walk his dog down to the local ice cream shop and get a Coca-Cola. He uh, then the next thing you know, it's 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 in a wheelchair. Then the next thing you know, it's 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 a trach. Uh, he's having to communicate with you with his eyes through this incredible technology. Uh, the, it's just it was amazing. But the, but the whole journey, you know, he never lost his spirit. I, I was just I, I, I can't even put into words uh, what it was like to watch him. Um, and for so many kids that he coached in lacrosse to watch him, and he stayed so close to the program, and he was breaking down film and video, even for the boys and girls varsity teams a year ago before he passed, and both of them won a state championship in, in his honor. And, and you know, he he just had a spirit. about. I mean, do, do you think that you're born with that kind of spirit? People are born with that spirit? Or, or do you think that that's something that in your situation and in your circumstances – you better find that spirit. You better find that spirit. I, I got the greatest wisdom from uh, Tommy Lasorda when uh, I was originally diagnosed with IBM, and he understood the disease. It's kind of a rare rare thing. Most people have never heard about it. So he comes up to me in the clubhouse one day, and he goes, uh, yeah, I heard you got dealt a bad hand. And I said, yeah, I, you know. He says, well, just remember, 
But 75% of the people, they don't give a damn. And the other 25%, they're glad it's happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tommy. So, so I, I took it to heart. And, and I, I just like you know, his message was don't feel sorry for yourself. You know, get up off your spot and, uh, and, and go find a way. And, and for me, it's to be able to look through life through the eyes of my children and my grandchildren. You know, I can go to bed every night, Tom, and I can lay there, and I can close my eyes, and I can walk out to Riverfront Stadium on a Sunday afternoon in July, and I can pitch a game against the Reds, the big red machine, and I can pitch up and down that lineup, and I can go nine innings. I never make it past the fourth inning because I fall asleep. Or I can get on, and I can go, and I can tee it up at Augusta because I played there, and I can play every hole, and I can, t- I can take every shot. I never get past the seventh hole because I fall asleep. But, you know, I, I just go into the library of, un- of incredible experiences that I've been able to live my entire life, and I can't find a way to, to, be, to feel sorry for myself, given the, the amount of memories I have, not just things I've got to do, but the people that I've met, the people that I've been able to see life through their eyes. And I'm doing it now with my kids and grandkids. So don't feel sorry for me. I got it going. Uh, you always had it going on, man. I remember back in the days when I first met you and Bob Brenly and your broadcast partner, Dwayne Kuyper. You guys were all playing for the Giants and coming into uh, Old Riverfront Stadium and used to see you in the elevator and see you down around the, the batting cage. You guys were always the best then, and you're still all the best now. And, and I'm just happy for you and, and grateful that everything's going so well. and can't thank you enough for the time here today. My pleasure, Tom. Anytime, and let's do it again. We will, for sure, do it again. Mike Kruko, kind enough hey, to buddy, join hey, us. one more thing. Yeah, when, yeah. When you see your old man, tell him he's my favorite hemorrhoid, will you? Yeah, I will definitely pass that along. I'll, matter of fact, I'll tell him before this ever airs, because I'll see him later on tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. All righty. Mike Kruko, kind enough to join us. That guy, I, I can't tell you. You know, I, I, Those three guys, Bob Brenly, Mike Kruko, Dwayne Kuyper. I mean, I met all three of them when, when they were players, and I was a kid running around uh, Riverfront Stadium with my dad. And and then, lo and behold, you know, here we are. You, you fast forward. I mean, the game of life, the magic of life, the, 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 you know, the twists and turns. And years later, I'm announcing with Bob Brenly, and sitting in the booth next to us uh, is Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruka. And um, they have always they have changed. They have not changed. Any of the three of them have not changed a bit. And God bless them all. They're just the best. We thank Dave Arbrewster, our producer-engineer. We thank the Believe Network for believing in this program. And we thank you for joining us. We'll continue our tour around Major League Baseball next week on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.